0: Well, good morning, to Faith Fellowship Church, once again. Somebody suggested for our next musical that we do Fiddler on the Roof. I think that may be a bit ambitious, but if Brent's up to it, maybe we are. We'll see. We'll see. <clears throat> Go ahead and dream of something far beyond your ability to bring it about. Go ahead and dare to believe in something so ridiculous that others doubt. That's the kind of faith. That God delights in seeing. Picture something so extreme that only God can make it happen. Go ahead and dream. Today we celebrate 20 years of God's faithfulness in this dream, or more appropriately, this vision that we call Faith Fellowship Church. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray this morning together. Father, we thank you for your presence here today as it has been forever. We thank you that we can't think of a day When your presence has not been there. The same yesterday, today, and forever. And that underneath are always your everlasting arms. We thank you that we can call you faithful. And Father, we offer up our lives and ask for you to create in us a pure heart and faithfulness to follow and to serve you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, I want to spend a few minutes talking with you about living a life of vision. Buried deep within each one of us is a desire to live a life of vision and significance. I don't know anyone who doesn't feel a need to live for a higher purpose or calling. Welsh poet David White said this about his tombstone. When people struggle through the weeds, pull back the moss, and read the inscription there, I wanted to say more than he made his car payments. My daughter pointed out, I wanted to say more than he did not make his car payments. I don't know which would be worse. We were made for more than that. We were designed for living out of purpose. You ever talk to someone who doesn't feel that they're in the right job, that they're in the wrong job, or maybe they feel trapped in circumstances that they wouldn't have chosen. Maybe you're that person. Your dreams have been crushed. If you've ever asked yourself this question, is this all there is? Then let me tell you, you were designed for a higher purpose. There is more to your life than today, today. A dream or a vision, it isn't something magical. It's not something for special people. It is for every one of us. Vision fulfills my purpose. It's God's design that you live a life of vision that you live a life of vision. Now, this isn't some self-help pop psychology. It's God's design. When God planned you, before you were even born, it was God's intention that you should be you. You're unique, and you were designed to live a life of vision. Paul writes in Ephesians, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You know what that verse teaches us? You are a product of God's vision. You are God's workmanship, his creation. Long ago before you were born, God envisioned you. He made you. You are a product of God's vision, and God has a vision and a purpose for your life. Jeremiah 1.5 says, I knew before I formed you in your mother's womb, Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my spokesman to the world. God calls us to be his mouthpiece, to spread the news that Jesus is alive, risen from that grave, and that he offers life and hope today. Before you were ever born, God knew you. God formed you to be exactly the way you are. God has made you unique. There is nobody else like you. There never has been and there never will be. It's ironic that we spend so much of our time trying to be like other people. God doesn't want you to be like someone else. He made you an original. There is nobody else with your set of strengths. Nobody else with your personality. If you're not you, who are you going to be? Who else is going to make the contribution that only you can make? Whenever someone says, he's a real character, well, you should thank them. You were designed to be a real character. And if you're not a real character, you're missing out. You're not living up to the purpose that God intended for your life. In fact, we have no right to live lives that are visionless. You have no right to go through life without asking, am I accomplishing the purpose for which God has made me? Missing out on God's plan for your life must be one of the greatest tragedies on this side of eternity. Vision fulfills the purpose for which God has made me. While he was 15 years old, Chester Greenwood's ears got painfully cold one day when he was ice skating in his hometown of Farmington, Maine. Although he tried wrapping a scarf around his head, it just didn't seem to do the trick. And he set out to find a better solution to the problem. Greenwood made a wire frame. And he asked his grandmother to sew beaver skin pads to it, creating the world's first earmuffs. In 1877, at the age of 19, Greenwood patented his invention. He went on to perfect and to manufacture the ear protectors in a local Farmington factory, eventually selling his earmuffs to soldiers during the First World War. By the time he died in 1937, he had made a veritable fortune selling as many as 400,000 pairs. In a single year. This is the second reason why we should learn to live a life of vision. Vision provides motivation. A clear vision and the courage to follow that vision. Dramatically increases your chances of getting to the end of your life. And saying, my life meant something. I succeeded. I did what God created me to do. I fulfilled his purpose in my life. When Paul neared the end of his life. He wrote these words to Timothy. He said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race, and I have remained faithful, and now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. Without a clear vision, you probably get to the end of your life and you'll wonder. You won't know whether you really made an impact, a contribution or not. You'll wonder whether your life really mattered. It's the difference between filling bags with dirt and building a dike to save a town. Both jobs involve dirt. Both jobs are unglamorous. But vision takes your activity and elevates it. Vision brings your world into focus. A clear vision enables you to see everything differently. Years ago, I was interested in this girl. I asked her out on a date to see a movie. She stood me up twice. Twice. Before we finally went. But I persisted. I would not give up. We saw Tess in 1979. Well, that girl doesn't stand me up anymore for movies. In fact, she lives in my house. I married her. But back then, I was willing to endure a chick flick. Oh, oh, she married me, she's saying, yes. And being stood up twice. And she even fell asleep while I was talking to her on the phone. Talk about instilling me with confidence. Hello? Hello? There she is snoring on the other end. I had a vision of what I wanted that relationship to look like. People in churches with visions are able to accomplish a lot more. They're able to accomplish God's purpose. A good example of that is a man named Nehemiah. If you don't know the story of Nehemiah, it is one of the clearest examples of how vision can change history. One of the things I love about Nehemiah's story is that there are no miracles involved. Nehemiah never parted the Red Sea. He never walked on water. Nehemiah was just an ordinary guy. There were no miracles here at Faith Fellowship Church either. No one walked on water. But we could clearly see God's hand upon us and many of what we call God sightings as we tried to faithfully carry out the vision for this space. What made Nehemiah unique is that he had a vision. He saw what could be and should be, and then he went after it with all his heart. Let me give you some background. Around 587 B.C., the Babylonians invaded Judah and destroyed the city of Jerusalem along with Solomon's temple. Thousands of people were taken from Judah and resettled in Babylon. You may know some of the stories of those people. People like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Songs were written with lyrics like this. Beside the rivers of Babylon, we sat and wept as we thought of Jerusalem. And 70 years after the first Babylonian invasion, Cyrus, king of Persia, who had since then conquered the Babylonians, gave the Jews permission to return to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. They were led by a man named Zerubbabel. These exiled Jews came back and they rebuilt the temple. It wasn't as nice as the first one, but it didn't matter. Things were looking up, but not for long. Soon the old problems crept back in. The temple wasn't being maintained. Sacrifices had ceased. The Jews adopted the religious practices of the surrounding nations. They weren't serving God. By the time Nehemiah came along, the political, social, and spiritual condition of Jerusalem was deplorable. That's where we meet Nehemiah. Nehemiah was probably unaware of the impact that he would have. He never would have guessed that we would be talking about what he lived out, the vision that he lived out 2,000 plus years later. He gave us a pattern, an example of how a vision can grow from birth to reality. How can I begin to live a life of vision? The thrust of what I want to tell you is that vision will begin with a concern, a burden that God gives you. Here's the first building block of vision that I want to give you. It's from the book of Nehemiah. Vision begins as a concern. Let's read the first four verses of Nehemiah chapter 1. In late autumn, in the month of Kislev, in the twentieth year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was at the fortress of Susa. Hanani, and I, one of my brothers, came to visit me with some other men who had just arrived from Judah. I asked them about the Jews who had returned there from captivity and about how things were going in Jerusalem. They said to me, things are not going well. For those who return to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down, and the gates have been destroyed by fire. When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. Nehemiah He had a concern over Jerusalem, and it consumed him. He couldn't get it off of his mind. For days he mourned and fasted and prayed. It changed the very way that he looked. Later on we read that the king noticed. The king noticed that he was sad, that his face looked downtrodden. And it was not a good thing to show up in the king's presence looking sad when he had the power to kill anyone whom he didn't like to see. And it's from here that we learn the first building block of vision takes place. Vision begins with a concern. God's purpose for you will always begin with a God-given concern. Now, I'm not talking about a passing concern. I'm not talking about, something that, I'm talking about something that sticks with you. God has a way of planting a desire or a concern or a burden on our minds. And when we pay attention to that concern, a picture begins to develop of what could be and should be. A vision starts to be born. When we were meeting across the street in in Perry Hall Middle School, we had a vision of what God could do with this empty Metro grocery store, but none more than a young woman named Bethany Tolliver. We found out through Baltimore County Police Officer Randy Brashears, at the time also a member of faith, that so strong was Bethany's concern for this vision that she had been coming over on a nightly basis. And she would drive around the building and around the parking lot seven times, praying over the building, like the walls of Jericho, for God to make a way for this building to become a faith fellowship church. You may not have realized it, but God has been at work birthing a vision in you, in your heart. It's not an accident. God always works by giving someone a concern or a burden for he needs. He gives them a picture of what could be and what should be. That's how anything great has ever happened. Somebody saw what was, they saw what God would like it to be, and they saw a picture of what could and should be, and they got to work. They paid the price and began the work to live out that vision. But beware, not everyone will share your concern. Did you notice that nobody else seemed to be concerned about the state of the walls? For years, the walls of Jerusalem were broken down. As I read Nehemiah, I get the impression that no one else was crying out about the broken down walls. Nehemiah's concern was his alone, it seemed. And that's the same way today. You look around and you see what could be, you see what should be, but other people don't see what you see. God hasn't given them that concern. Don't let that stop you. From listening to what God is telling you. Others might not even see the problem. It doesn't matter. Listen to God. Begin to birth that vision. It's possible that God has given you a concern, but you haven't cultivated it because no one else seems to share that vision. Stop waiting for other people. God has given you that concern for a reason. It's up to you to begin to cultivate it and to pray about that concern. What if your vision seems out of reach? One of the obstacles we're going to face is that our vision may seem out of reach. Certainly it was for Nehemiah. Nehemiah was 800 miles away from Jerusalem when he developed a concern for its broken down walls. That's the same distance it is from here to Jacksonville, Florida. This was a huge concern. Just getting there would be quite an ordeal and a task to accomplish. He had obligations to the king of the biggest world power at the time. He lacked the resources to rebuild the wall in Jerusalem. What do you do when you have a vision but not much more? How do you move from where you currently exist to what could be and to what should be? What steps can you take once you begin to sense God birthing a vision in your life? Well, I'm glad you asked because Nehemiah wants to share some things with us. Between the first verse of chapter 1 and the first verse of chapter 2, when Nehemiah raises his concern to the king... Scholars tell us it's a period of almost four months. So for four months, Nehemiah did absolutely nothing, or so it seems. Here's the point. Vision takes time to grow. Another way to say it is this. God is not in as big a rush as we are. I get tired of waiting for the Lord to return some days. I don't know how you feel, but then Peter reminds me, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. That's usually where I go, "Uh uh-huh. Uh-huh, he's a little too slow for my taste sometimes. He's not so, he says he's not slow in keeping his promises, as other understand, others understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. The longer I live, the more I find out that God is a lot more patient than I am. When God begins to birth a vision, to build a vision, God often takes time to plant and nurture that vision in a person's heart. A vision doesn't necessarily require immediate action. Vision often takes time to grow. I'd rather, you know, I'm not a patient person. I'd rather drive out of my way than wait in a line of traffic. I'm not alone. A lot of people in the Bible had the right vision, but the wrong timing. Joseph had a vision, literally. He would be in a position of authority over his family. Now, Joseph wasn't a bright young man, it seems, because he decided that would be a good thing to share with his family. He told his family, and they almost killed him. Good vision, wrong timing. Moses had a vision of rescuing the uh, Israelites from Egypt. Well, he took matters into his own hands, and he killed an Egyptian. This led to a 40-year exile. His vision was good, but his timing was off. The problem is that vision takes time to grow. You can't run off and turn your vision into reality. You can't assume that all systems are go. A clear vision isn't necessarily a green light. A vision rarely requires immediate action, but it almost always requires patience. You know the difference between a home run and a long foul ball? Timing. Timing when you hit that ball. What was God doing while Nehemiah waited? Why did Nehemiah wait four months Before he took action, because in that waiting period between vision and action, God was doing three important things. God matures the vision in us. When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. God gave Nehemiah this concern, but Nehemiah wasn't ready to do anything with it yet. In fact, all he could do was mourn and fast and pray. God had to mature that vision within Nehemiah's heart. The vision had to grow before he could do anything about it. God is doing something else during this waiting period. God matures us in preparation for the vision. God doesn't just mature the vision. He has to mature us in preparation for that vision. God has to grow us to be ready to carry out his vision. And God is at work in us to make us ready for him to use. That's why Moses spent 40 years uh, being matured on the backside of the desert. This must have seemed like a waste of time, but it wasn't. God was busy preparing Moses' heart for what he wanted to accomplish through him. It's why the Apostle Paul spent three years in Arabia before he began his ministry. Waiting time isn't wasted time. God has to mature us in preparation for the vision. Nehemiah, he got off easy. He only had to wait four months. Now, if you fit into the biblical pattern... God will take anywhere between four months and 40 years to mature you in preparation to carry out His vision. It's kind of like the cheese in the Ritz Cracker commercials. They keep checking on whether or not it's aged enough before it's finally ready to be put in a Ritz Cracker. But don't forget one thing. Paul says in Philippians 1, he says, "...and I am sure that God who began the good work within you will keep right on helping you grow in His grace." until his task within you is finally finished, on that day when Jesus returns. God is at work maturing you, and God will continue that work in your soul. God is doing a third thing during this waiting period. God prepares people and circumstances for the vision. Worship team, you can make your way back up. While we're waiting, God is behind the scenes preparing the way. This building was out of reach financially for us. But behind the scenes, while we waited, God was working. And when it was time, the owner of this building called us and said, I need to sell it, and I want to sell it to you. And in the summer of 2004, you know the rest, God gave us a grocery store, a grocery store. And in July of 2022, The plan is to pay off the rest of the mortgage. God has been faithful, thank you, beyond years. When God wants to accomplish something, he has a way of putting the right people in the right circumstances. And if you are here today, you were and are a part of the vision, and we thank you for that. Give yourselves a hand of applause. As you wait, it may seem like nothing is happening, when in fact God is at work, putting the right people in the right places to do what he wants them to do. Isaiah 40 says, "But they wait upon the Lord, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles; they shall run and not be weary; they shall walk and not faint." Waiting on God means that we patiently depend on Him to fulfill His promise and to strengthen us. We can wait on God to mature the vision that He has given us, and to mature it, and to nurture it, and to arrange circumstances and people to carry out the vision that He has. Waiting time isn't wasted time. Nehemiah teaches us to do two things while we wait. One, to pray. He says that's the first action that Nehemiah took. He prayed. Prayer is critical to living out God's vision. If you have a vision that hasn't been prayed over at great length, I'm not sure it's God's vision yet. Prayer is essential to living out God's vision for our lives. And when you become concerned about something, pray about it. Pray a lot about it. Ask God to show you his heart, to give you his eyes to see what needs to be done. Nehemiah took a second action while he waited. He planned. Nehemiah's second action was to plan. How do we know this? Because God eventually gave him a chance to speak to the king. In Nehemiah 2, you will see that Nehemiah was ready to tell the king exactly what he had in mind. He had defined the problem and the solution. Nehemiah had spent the time waiting, formulating a plan of action. The prayer and planning, they go together. This wasn't Nehemiah acting and scheming on his own. While he was waiting, he began to ask God to show him what he needed to do. We can begin to do our homework while we wait. Waiting uh, without a plan or without a a lot of prayer, it, it simply won't come together. We won't be ready when the opportunity comes. As a result of Nehemiah's faithfulness to that vision, the wall that had been lying ruined for 140 years, Nehemiah was able to rebuild. Nehemiah 6 says this, So the wall was completed on the 25th of Elul in 52 days. So the wall was completed on the 25th of Elul in 52 days. When all our enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence because they realized that this work had been done with the help of God. Nehemiah was able to accomplish in 52 days. What no one else had been able to accomplish in 140 years. If God has given you a vision, only you can carry that out. He's planted that in your heart. You may be the person that God has uniquely placed to do something about it. You may have been placed in your position with that burden from God for such a time as this. If you want in on the things that I'm talking about, the excitement of following a God who is passionate about us, who cares about us, who wants to give us a life that is full of life, full of living. It's as simple as saying, I want in. God, I want in. I confess that whatever I've done is wrong in my life. The things I've screwed up, I give them to you. Come into my life. Be Lord of my life. I confess it with my mouth. And you will enter a brand new family where you will have a vision and a purpose to live out the rest of your days. Amen? Amen. We're going we're gonna to go into a time of communion next. Uh, for those who are here in the audience, underneath of the seats in front of you, you will find that there is a, a little communion cup. It's a two-part cup. On top is the wafer. You can peel that one in preparation. And underneath of it is the juice. Let's remember this morning the one who came and made a way possible for us to live again a life as it was meant to be lived. Let's remember Jesus who died and reigned for us. Those of you who are at home or watching online, uh, you can join us with whatever, whatever uh, condiments, whatever, whatever items you have. Reading from 1 Corinthians. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you so willingly sent your Son, and that he so willingly came to be our sacrifice, to take our place, to redeem us again back to you, so that a way could be made, for a right relationship to be restored. Father, we thank you for that broken body on our behalf. In Jesus' name, amen. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Father, we thank you for the blood that was spilt. And Father, we know that without the shedding of blood, you tell us there can be no cleansing of sin, no removing of the stain that we cannot get rid of. Father, we thank you that his blood was spilt on our behalf and that his blood washes us white as snow. Father, we thank you for who you are, For your son, Jesus, who was so obedient even to the death of the cross. Father, we remember him this morning as he asked. In his name.